0: Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is proudly brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Burbank, burbank burbank.com.au. The property market is tough right now, high prices and homes selling before they've even been advertised. So why buy when you can build? 100% Aussie-owned, 100%. Burbank Homes gives you everything you need. Build new and save with affordable quality. Outstanding home and land packages are now available in some of Australia's finest and fastest-growing areas. Free transparent estimates. Yeah, free. Fixed-price contracts so you know exactly what you're paying for and what you're getting. And if you don't want to change your address, why not knock down and build new? Burbank builds homes for Aussie families. They support communities by employing local tradies and engaging in sustainable practices. Head to their website, burbank.com.au, and tell them we sent you. Burbank.com.au The great ones, they're different they really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The tough ones, I mean the really tough ones, they don't feel the need to tell you how tough they are. They show you. This guy showed us time and again, and mixed with gifted hands, he's the bloke you want standing next to you, not opposite. But who is Adrian Morley?
1: So Adrian Morley was a former professional rugby league player coming from the north of England, Place called Salford, a... Played in England in the Super League, also played over in Australia in the NRL. Represented his country. Uh, played played rugby league for twenty years. Now happily bringing up his three kids back home in Salford. Uh, that's about it, really.
0: Were you a naughty kid? You were born in May nineteen seventy-seven. Were you the naughty one in scraps after school and terrorising the neighbourhood kids?
1: <laughs> no, I was. I was quite a good kid, really. But I had two older brothers, so they really did keep me in line. So uh, I did know the pecking order. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was always quite uh, quite shy and reserved kid, really. So uh, as, as far as causing trouble, no, that, that wasn't me.
0: Because soccer, and I still can't call it football, because soccer is so prominent in the UK, how does a young kid fall in love with rugby league and not soccer?
1: Well, it, it was it was the opposite at the start. I, I was like every other kid born in Salford and and pretty much England really. Uh, football was was my first love, uh, soccer, and then um, Man United were my team. I, I grew up, you know, in Salford, Old Trafford, where Man United plays virtually in Salford, and yep. you know, I lived about I lived about four miles from Old Trafford. So Man United were my team. There was there was got a captain called Brian Robson. He was my uh, my idol really and um, I used to play for a club but it weren't until I went to high school that's when they played soccer and rugby league and then I put my name down for the for both sports and then I had my first game of rugby league and I just thought this is the this is the sport for me yeah uh, much more suited to, to rugby league and um, yeah that, that was it that was, I fell in love with the game and,
0: um, and the rest is history really. You were born at a time when the Great Britain side was very strong, some seriously tough guys, guys like Jimmy Mills, Brian Lockwood, Steve Norton. Then I guess your first memories of rugby league, probably the late 80s, guys that were superstars, there were standouts like Gary Schofield, Nellery Hanley, but the forwards of the national side, the the Lee Crooks and the Kevin Wards, they played the game hard. Was that something you noticed as a young bloke?
1: Well, at my very first game of Rugby League, what I watched, I was only uh, 11 years old. It was the, the 6 weeks holidays leading into going into high school, and I'd never watched the game of Rugby League in my life. And my dad, he, he woke up at six in the morning to watch the, the third test, the uh, Great Britain V. Australia and he recorded it, watched it and he come in and you know, there was three, three boys all share the same bedroom. My dad come in dead excited about eight o'clock in the morning, boys, boys get up. You've got to come down and watch this. And I was half asleep walking down the stairs and it was the old VHS uh, video recorder. And and he explained to me, he said, we've not beat the Aussies for 10 years. And this is uh, the final test of the three test series, loads of injuries. No one give us a chance. And the way he was explaining it, it was it was so animated. And I just I was I was excited just because my dad was so excited. Anyway, he put the game on, and that was my first ever game of watching rugby league. And it was when uh, you know Mike Gregor scored that long long range try, yep. and uh, Henderson Gill done a bit of a boogie and and, and all that. And so I've gone from waking up that morning to not knowing you know much about rugby league and especially them players to all them players. You know, Kevin Wards and Andy Gregory and all. Being in my mind of being, uh, you know, my 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 uh, heroes and something to look up to. And then and that's when I went into high school. And when, when I knew they played rugby league, I thought, right, I'm going to try rugby league. And then that's when, uh, you know, I played it, found I really, really enjoyed it. So, but well, then I couldn't get enough of the, the Great Britain side then. So, you know, I was born in Salford and Salford with my club team. I used to watch Salford any opportunity, but then couldn't wait to see, you know, if Great Britain was touring at the end of the year or if the Aussies or the Kiwis or whoever was coming over to to the UK. And I I was pretty obsessed with watching Great Britain as well.
0: Going to take you back to April 14, 1995. You'd been in the Leeds Rhinos youth system, but this was debut day, your first game with the big boys. Against Hull, you won 44 points to 19. What do you remember of day one?
1: Well, I was pretty nervous. I, I I played about half the year in the uh, in the academy, which is the under nineteens, and then I don't know played about six, eight uh, reserve team games, and that's when Dougie Larton, who was the you know the the first team coach, came up to me and said, "I'd like you to uh, play for the first team." But I was only seventeen year old, you know, and it was I was I was really skinny. I mean, I was uh, uh, in fact that that video that, that they showed through lockdown in the UK, they actually shown a lot of old. Uh, Games and that game was actually on on, uh, on TV, so I got to to relive it. But very nervous. But you know, I thought if I could get, you know, just ten minutes or you know twenty minutes at the end of the end of the game, that'd be great. But there was a player called uh, Marcus Vasilopoulos, who was a Greek uh, descendant. He was playing. He was my position. He went down injured after about fifteen minutes, and that's so I got an opportunity to uh, you know to to play a lot of game time really but I just remember how, how fast the game was yeah well there, there was there, I think it was about 13,000 people at, at Headingley Stadium which was a you know obviously I'd only played in front of a couple of hundred people yeah. up, up to this point so so that was a big factor and I was just amazed at how, how quick the game was but uh, just loved the experience you know where that 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 team was littered with uh, with stars you mentioned Gary Scofield before but they had uh, players like Kevin Iroh uh, Craig Innes uh, but yeah, it was, it was a star-studded team, and um, it was it was a pleasure to, to play there. And um, as I say, I loved the experience. And then, thankfully, you know, having got my first taste, pretty much, pretty much was a regular uh, after that.
0: Hello, legends! I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings, and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week, and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want, and when you want. If you're interested, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Now back to the interview. Your aggression was your trademark. You were aggressive. You were physical. Is that just you as a person? Was it natural, or did you have to work yourself into a mental position to go to war?
1: Well, a little bit of both. I mean, uh, as a youngster, I just I just used to love the the, the physical side of the sport. I uh, would much rather put a big tackle on rather than than score a try. That's just just what I enjoyed more. So then, uh, as I found, I was uh, you know I was good at defending and tackling, putting the bigots on, and I really enjoyed it. That that just that time my game developed, really, and then uh, you know the coaches tried to encourage that, and then. Um, so it, it did get to the point where you know before games I did have to try and get myself in that, in that frame of mind to to go out and try and uh, try, try and smash people really, mm. but but I, but I did love it. I did love the the, the physical side. So, but it was a, it was a pretty much of a it was a fine line between trying to get yourself fired up where you are just at the level where you, you know it's, it's right where you can put these big shots on, or not going over the line, going too far, and doing something. Rash and um and and getting suspended, and you know, sent off or giving penalties away. So it was a, it was a balancing act altogether. But it was a, you know, a balancing act I certainly enjoyed.
0: You never crossed that line though, did you, Moss No, no, never. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one, one or two times, but uh, but again, it was uh, it was it was an
0: enjoyable uh experience. Anyway, it's an enjoyable journey. A big young forward is a target for an older, bigger forward. Who were the guys that made it hard for you or tested you out as you were trying to establish a reputation
1: well well pretty much every 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 team had a an enforcer type of a, yeah. of a player in that team but but when you when you're seventeen year old pretty much every 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 forwards a lot more experienced yeah. and bigger and physically stronger than you so it was uh you 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 were a had into nothing anyway but oh, I was quite fortunate in the fact that I'd only played three um First team games and then that was the end of the uh, end of the season but the following season Leeds signed uh, Barry McDermott who was feared throughout the land and um, you know Barry was uh, very much uh, everyone looked up to Barry as you know he was a bit of a you know he had a reputation as a bit of a bit of a nutter a bit of a lunatic yeah. so having Barry on my side was, was a blessing really because you know anyone stepped out of line Barry would be there snarling at him so uh, he really was a a mentor and um, you know protector, etc. So, uh, Barry was fantastic in that regard. But, but it, it was daunting. You know, I wasn't in the front row then, so it wasn't. If you're, uh, I think, if you're seventeen, eighteen, going to the front row, that really is um, very, very dangerous territory. But because I was in the second row, I was sort of shielded myself from the from the big boys and the big confrontation, so it wasn't too bad, and as I mentioned, Barry was uh, fantastic in that regard.
0: Barry the enforcer, really enjoyed watching Barry over his career. Made 149 games for Leeds over a number of seasons. What's the standout memory? Is it the 1999 Challenge Cup win over the London Broncos?
1: Yeah, that was the definitely the, uh, the highlight of my, my Leeds career, but, but the the previous year, um, we made the inaugural grand final, which uh, I think making that we didn't actually get the win against Wigan, but but making that major final that gave us the the confidence. Then I felt to, to go one better, and then the following year, uh, ninety nine, we played at the old Wembley before they demolished it and, and built the new Wembley. So it was great to play and win at the old Wembley. Mm. But yeah, getting that with victory was was fantastic, and. Uh, you know, Graham Murray was the coach. Then he coached us to the uh, to the grand final and the and, and the Challenge Cup final. So certainly that was the uh, that was the highlight. It was uh, fantastic. I'd actually made the squad when I uh, when I debuted in in '95. The uh, the first team had already made the, the Challenge Cup final. So I played uh, three games, and then uh, I went down, flew down actually from uh, Leeds Bradford to to uh, London. Uh, as part of the part of the squad, now I knew I wasn't playing, so there was no pressure on me. But I absolutely loved the experience. You yep. know, as a 17, 18 year eighteen-year-old, staying in these nice hotels and uh, and uh, you know doing the Wembley walk the day before the game, and, and, and I made it a goal then to to hopefully one day. And so four years later, I achieved that that goal. So it made it uh, pretty special to to a a playing a playing the the final and b to to
0: get the victory. And very special to be able to say that you played at the old Wembley. You also were playing international footy by this time. And you, as you mentioned, you first met Graham Murray. What a guy.
1: Yeah, he was fantastic, Mozart. He was uh, he was great for me personally, but he was great for the team. He was, um, um, he, don't get me wrong, he was a very, very competent coach, but he didn't do things out of the ordinary. He didn't do, uh, you know, didn't reinvent the, the coaching manual, yeah. or anything like that. But, but what it was was a was a great uh, communicating. He was a great, great for team spirit, you know. Uh, uh, and he sort of galvanised the squad. And I think if you've got a coach who's a really good guy, decent bloke, you you want to play for him. And yeah. everyone loved Muzza um, myself included. And uh, you know, it was no surprise, in my opinion,
0: that we had the success under under Graham Murray. He was. Uh, it was great. Coming to Australia, what was the lure of it? Was it the challenge, the lifestyle, the change of scenery, Graham Murray, or a financial decision?
1: Um, well, to be fair, that financially I got for more money to stay in the, in the UK. But, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I still got paid and, and, and paid well um, in Australia. But it was a combination of uh, a lot of things, really. I toured um, Australia with Great Britain in '99. Yep. And after the tour, I stayed over with uh, Sean Long and, and Andy Hay and we had a we had a three weeks holiday in Australia. And just love, I just love the experience, love the lifestyle, and uh, you know, and I just thought if I get a, a chance to come out here uh, at some point, it would be. Uh, I think I need to tick that box, and then um, and then I got the opportunity. So um, you know, playing playing uh, that year, the Great Arthur Beach, and come up to me. Uh, we played the Aussies up in Brisbane. And um, we'd just been beat quite heavily, but uh, beat so said he'd like to talk to me about coming out to, to play in Australia. But Gray Murray wasn't the, the head coach and it was a couple of weeks later he became become head coach. And that's when I thought, you know, that, that could be a, an opportunity. But it was still a pretty big decision, you know, Was yeah. very much, um, you know, still only 22 when I it, when it made the decision. And uh, it was a big decision. Um, yeah, not only... When I played at Leeds, I used to travel every day from Salford. I didn't want to leave Salford, and it's one thing not wanting to leave to move forty miles down the road. It's another going to the other side of the world. But I just thought, if I don't go now, I might not get another another chance to go. So, um, so I made the decision. And at the time, there was no uh, English players out there, so it was um, you know, I don't think Harvey Howard. Uh, think he just he might finished. Have just, just just finished. Yeah. So there was there wasn't a great deal of Englishmen over there, which you know, now we know uh, that that, there's quite a few of them there. So I knew I'd be on my own really, but um, I just thought if I don't go now, I might not get a chance. So I made the decision and um, it was the best decision ever made really.
0: Burbank.com.au. The property market is tough right now, tougher than an Adrian Morley shoulder charge. prices, They're higher than a Greg Inglis torpedo, and homes are selling before they've even been advertised. It's a bit like Tommy Travojevic's next contract. So why buy when you can build 100% Aussie-owned, 100%? Burbank Homes give you everything you need. Build new and save with affordable quality. Outstanding home and land packages are now available in some of Australia's finest and fastest growing areas. Free, transparent estimates. Yeah, that's right, free. There's also fixed price contracts so you know exactly what you're paying for and what you're getting. No confusion. And if you don't want to change your address, just knock down and build new. Burbank builds homes for Aussie families. They support communities by employing local tradies and engaging in sustainable practices. Head to their website, burbank.com.au, and tell them we sent you. They're legends. Legends of what they do and how they do it. Legends, because they're here to help you. That's burbank.com.au. 2001 was a moderately successful year for the Roosters, but then Graham Murray would get the sack. Ricky Stewart took over, and that's when things really changed. Firstly, the difference between Muzz and Sticky as people and as coaches is absolutely huge.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, very, very intense Ricky Stewart. Uh, You know, they were were both... uh, Great coaches and both great guys in their own way, but you're right, very very different uh, approach. Uh, Ricky was he'd only just finished playing, really. I yeah. think he'd had one year coaching the uh, the the juniors in Canterbury, so it was very very intense. Uh, but uh, I loved I loved uh, being coached by by both them them uh, coaches, but well, it, it was quite uh, uh, not daunting, but. At the end of that year, I, I knew I'd not had a great year personally in, in 2001 and uh, I brought my arm halfway through the year and that's when, when great money got asked to leave. And then I was thinking, where does this leave me? Because uh family and Ricky Stewart's plans and the club think, you know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get rid of Adrian, but he actually phoned me, Ricky. And uh, I was back in the UK and and uh, Leeds Rhinos had been on the phone and said, look, we know you've had a great year, but we'd like to have you back at Leeds, which was great for me to have a, a bit of a... A bit of a safety net to fall back on. Yeah. But I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to come back after a year and say I played. In the end the year, I want to come back and say I've, I've had a go and I've, um, I've done the business. So uh, when Ricky phoned me, it was uh, a bit of a confidence boost. He said, look, I can assure you you're in my plans. I'd like you to, to come back. And then uh went back and then, um, you know, uh, the second year I was there. I got a lot more used to living away from home and, um, uh, Got to know my teammates a lot more, and uh, second year was a lot more settled, and it showed in in my performances, and it showed in um, you know the, the club's performances.
0: Ricky's intensity rubs off the defensive system, the intent, the physicality used by Ricky and you guys was new. It was brutal. It was successful. Fast forward 20 years, it's still the same, mate. The, that rushing defence and picking out a guy and just putting him on his ass.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, I obviously enjoyed that way of being coached. And, um, you know, uh, we, we did have a, a fit set of forwards, uh, you know, Luke Rickison, Craig Fitzgibbon. And uh, we could, we could uh, play really, really intense for, for long periods of time. So we all. Uh, enjoyed that that way of, of defending and and it suited us and um you know we won the last I think we won the last nine games straight to to take
0: out the the, the grand final which was uh, an amazing finish to uh to a great year you mentioned fitzy craig fitzgibbon who could be the nicest guy and the biggest gentleman to ever play the game of rugby league since 1908 but he was the <laughs> silent assassin on the field at this time a guy that was as hard as they come. Do you agree?
1: Yes, 100%. He's he's up there with my, uh, you know, he, he, don't get me wrong, you, everyone you play with, you've got a, a bond and a camaraderie and, and that kind of thing. But he was probably my, my favourite teammate, just, just the way he played the game. Uh, no nonsense would would leave everything out there. You know, there's, there's probably three or four players who, who I could pick out. Who, who uh, There's Jamie Peacock in the UK. And, yep you know he's that that kind of um, that type of player is Craig Fitzgibbon and no, no, no matter what uh, state his body was in you know leading up to the game if he said he was playing he'd give he'd give you no less than 100% on the field and and that's what you want and uh, yeah he was uh, just a worker and a grafter and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to, to to play all them years with him
0: 32 metres out from the line Minicello got a quick play the ball Fletcher got in and away Mullins goes for the accelerator Mullins gets the ball inside Shannon Hegarty Hegarty will score First point of the grand final Scored by Shannon Hegarty Crocker again Fitler goes from the left side Works over to the right side Here's Craig Wigg Craig Craig Wigg is in to score Well Brad Fittler Knew that it was time to stand tall and he has
1: come from the left to the right, and combined with his number seven.
0: The 2002 Grand Final. What stands out? What memory stands above all the others?
1: Well, I remember sitting in the in the changing room before the game. Uh, obviously, I didn't I didn't realise how big the sport was in Australia until the Roosters made the Grand Final. And no matter where you looked, I used to live in Coogee. No matter where you looked, there was uh, red, white, and blue flags and and uh, posters, etc., all around. so that the the town went absolutely mad. Well, I remember being sat in the changing rooms, and, and I opened the program, and um, and there was a bit of a piece on me saying which which list will Morley join? And there's a list of English players who who played in a grand final and lost. And there's about six or seven names, and a list of English players who played in a grand final and won on the other side of the page. And again, there's only about six or seven names, but so I knew. I'd join one of these elite groups, you know, winning or losing, but I just thought, I just want to join the, the winning one. Mm. So, uh, but I enjoyed reading the piece, you know, looking at the the famous names throughout the years, because there's not that many uh, English players who, who played in such the big showpiece in Australia. And, uh, but that that was nice reading that. And then obviously when we got the win, I knew we joined the, the, the right side, the winning side, and it was, uh, it was great. But, but since getting the win, really, um, I mean, the, the, the you know the memories of you know winning and the celebrating and all that were uh, were fantastic, and that they'll stay with me. But I think it was getting that win that that I really got accepted then uh, off the Aussies, off off the press, off uh, opponents, teammates, and and everyone really. And since getting that win, I felt there was a bit of uh, bit of weight and a bit of pressure off me then. And after that, it was uh, it was plain sailing then.
0: Straight up the middle. Plays it back for Crocker again, and this time to the boot of breath. Oh! Fittler! Oh! He's been taken a couple of times. Hey, hey. Fittler's bleeding oh. from a gash above the left eye. He has been hammered by Corpu, Like a nasty head clash. Oh, with. absolutely. Well, that's just a charge down. Play on. Tell you what, there's got to be some suspicion about the Villa Santi. In what way? Well, it just looked like he deliberately headbutted him. Brad Fittler was in the twilight of his career, a beloved player. You didn't have to support the Roosters to like what Freddie brought to the game. He was, many believe, taken out during the game. You stood up for your teammates, legally, fairly, and physically. Is that a, a tackle that you remember the, the the shot on Richard Villasanti? I do, yeah. And
1: uh, in a way, I, I, I thought New Zealand were on top of that point. And uh, in a way, you know, him doing that really uh, brought us together, yeah. and really, really, we, we flicked a switch then when when he did that. So, you know, Villasanti, if he hadn't have done that, you know, it could have been a different result. But when he did that, you know, we didn't really say a great deal. The forwards, we just looked at each other. And you, you just know you have that, um, you know, a bit of a, um, you know, what the other players are thinking, yeah. and we just thought, right. We're going to, we're going to sort him out. But, but our uh, intensity and our uh, aggression levels knocked up a notch after that, and then it was all on after that. But it was, uh, but, it, but it was a great bit of theatre for, the, uh, for the for the for <laughs> the spectators, and it was uh, it was great that that fight is up. But it was just uh, just another little. Uh, another little story
0: of the, uh, of the of the of the main game, but it was uh, it was great. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The Legends series drops at the start of your working week. It's in depth, personal, and highlights some of the game's finest from yesteryear. The Weekly Wodge drops in time for your weekend. It's full on and the hottest podcast on the market. Why listen to opinions when you can listen to interviews with the stars? And on every episode, you can hear up to a dozen different players and coaches, both past and present, giving their thoughts on the great game. It's fast paced, full of footy and laughs. It's a must listen. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. That way, you won't miss a thing every episode will drop immediately. Before you go, we'd love a five-star rating and review. It's not for ego, it's for business, as we look to expand the unfiltered brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends. Legends.